If you feel like somebody took 2020, put it in a blender, hit start, and just caused chaos, you're not alone. You've probably had to deal with canceled plans, uh, work adjustments, complicated family decisions or tough family decisions to make, uh, and even maybe some really tough financial decisions. So the question becomes, how do we start planning our retirement when you know all of these other things are unknown? We don't know what the future is going to bring in regards to COVID, uh, the, the local economy, what the markets are going to be. How do we prepare for retirement when there's so much unknown? How can you look ahead to 2021 when you don't even know what next week is going to bring? This week, I sit down with John Conley to discuss those things and cover six tips that can make all the difference for your end-of-the-year actions in 2020. Hey, welcome to After the Paycheck, the series dedicated to helping people to and through their retirement process. I'm your host, Adam Bly. This week, I am here with John Conley. It's been a while since we've been in the same room together. Been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, we're doing the social distancing, so we'll... Yeah, the people actually, they were like, oh, I noticed you do a bit different, like, uh, uh, editing thing for, for the videos now. I'm like, it's just so we're further apart, so yeah. we don't have to worry Just the way we things. like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, I, they think I smell a little funny, so yeah, they, they do things a little <laughs> bit different here. No. Um, that actually kind of is the reason why we do that is because 2020 has been a year. Wow. Like, as I saw a, a thing online the other day, and I was like, oh, 2020 in a nutshell. And it's like you know, pre-COVID, then March is like 90% of the year. And then it's like everything that's happening after after the election. It's I like just... I saw one that said uh, 2020 and it showed like a, a, a slide at a playground and it was a cheese grinder. <laughs> <laughs> probably more sort of like pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because this has kind of been like a year for a lot of people, um, we're going to talk about that kind of coming into the year end now. We're in November now. Uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next week, let alone next year with everything going on between COVID, the market, um, you know, the, the local economy, the election. All of this stuff is still up in the air. Um, so it becomes really hard to plan for your future for retirement and financially when you don't really know what's going to happen, you know, even tomorrow or, or even next week. So sure. we thought we'd go over uh, a couple of financial actions that you can take to still make a difference in your you're planning now. Just take them now or make those actions now before the end of 2020 to set yourself up successfully for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So you sent me over a couple of topics here that I'm just going to kind of ring off and then sure. you can let me know a little bit more about them. So again, six financial actions that could make all the difference as the year comes to an end here in 2020. And the first one you, you brought up here is reworking your budget. So what, like, what, what does that mean? When you're like, okay, some an action item I can take right now is to rework my budget. Yeah, take a look at what your spending is uh, in 2020 and beyond, and so forth. So anytime we w start looking at retirement or entering retirement, or you might even be retired, we want to look at what is our monthly and yearly spending. And if you're entering retirement, let's let's see where we're spending money. How much are we spending on a monthly basis, and where we're spending that. Obviously, with 2020, with COVID, the spending might have been shifted from one pocket to another pocket. Yep. Uh, you might not be going out to dinner as much. You might not be traveling, obviously. But all of a sudden, you're spending more money on the house, fixing things up. Like in, like most people, they're, they've done more house projects this year than before. So let's kind of look at those things and say, where is the spending? How do we foresee us spending in the future and let's make sure our budget is accurately set up so that our future spending is accounted for. Is there anything, so you talked up, you brought up like housing, house projects and stuff like that. Like, 
again, I, I'm only a few years into my house and the mortgage and everything, and I'm doing house projects myself. If I'm almost in retirement, are there things I should be looking at my house being like, you know what, maybe I, am, I, am I going crazy and just doing house projects to do them? Or is it like, a, hey, this is something you should be doing to take care of your house because if you're going to live in it for the rest of your life. Uh, I, I don't know about house projects. I'm, I'm the worst at it. I, <laughs> I did decide to paint the dining room the other day, and I think we're going to have to hire a professional <laughs> painter in the end. I gave it a I gave it a try, right? Uh, but no, if you're going to retire and you're close to retiring, I would always say if you don't have a home equity line of credit, that is something that you want to get set up prior to stop working. It's just easier. You're able to show income and so forth. Have that already kind of established before you stop working. Because if you stop okay. working and you have real no income, then it's a little bit tougher. It's not impossible. They just make you do a couple more steps to prove income and so forth. That's good. I didn't even think about that, the home equity line of credit thing yeah. before you retire. Um, going into uh, financial tip number two, which is talking about goals and new ones. So we were just talking about, oh, is my goal to kind of redo the house? You talked about reviewing your goals and maybe setting new ones for the next year. So what would be something that I should be considering or not considering if I'm thinking of retiring in the next year or so, or if I'm already retired? Yeah, you want, you want to look at what you re review everything. Just take a look at where your portfolio is today. How did it perform versus the markets this year? Uh, make any necessary adjustments to your portfolio that's needed. Um, review your goals. Um, a lot of things that we're seeing now, people's vision of their retirement is different. Um, it might be a different time frame. Someone might have been thinking they're going to retire at 65 and all of a sudden they're 62 today and they're saying, my company's not doing as strong as it once was and I'm a little concerned about my, my job prospects moving forward. Can I retire today if all of a sudden I lost my job? Do I need to go back to work? So let's review your goals. Right. Also, how do you envision retirement? That's a big thing with most people is how they envision it. A lot of people used to say, hey, I'm going to go down to Florida for six months out of the year. We're going to live in the villages or we're going to travel. Well, COVID's kind of changed a lot of that. People are looking at things differently. Maybe right. we should maybe buy that lake house and be a little bit more secluded on our own. Um, so the goals might have shifted and changed, but we want to make sure that your portfolio and your plan is reflective of what your current goals are. Right. So it, let's say I, my, my plan in retirement does change, and you're talking about, oh, you got to make sure your portfolio and all of that matches. How, what is a step I can take to start to figure that out? Like, oh, I've decided I'm not going to have two properties or whatever. I just want one. So all of a sudden, that's an expense that might have gone down. So your portfolio or plan that you currently have to, you, to give an example, might have a budget of $10,000 a month. And in that budget of $10,000 a month, we've already budgeted for that second vacation home or something down in Florida. And if you're not going to spend that time in Florida and the cost has gone down because you built something in Massachusetts or New Hampshire, yeah. so then we have to make your portfolio reflect that, that less need for income because your expenses are down. So let's make sure that we change your budget to reflect what's actually going to happen versus what we were thinking was going to happen. If I am someone that's thinking, okay, I'm 62, I was thinking of going to 65 and then retiring and doing the Florida thing, but now that I'm not going to do that and I see that my budget is whatever this is, how does that 
affect my probability of success that we've talked about in previous episodes? How, I guess you kind of already answered this question a little bit about how it just comes back to looking at your portfolio, right? Yeah, having reviews, right? Okay, reviews. So oftentimes in this business, we hear individuals say, my uh, financial advisor will meet with me once a year. Well, you, I think you'd want to at least have a conversation or meet with your advisor at least every quarter. Okay, every so quarter. we can make changes and adjust to what's happened. Just because you have a financial plan, it's not like you take it and you just put it on the shelf and it corrects itself and it solves its own problems. Things change. So we have to change the plan as your circumstances change in the economy and the world. So we have to make the necessary adjustments along the line so that we don't get too far down the path and we're out of whack. Right. We want to make sure that we constantly are in are on the right path. You made a great point there, like that constant communication because retirement the way that retirement planning especially now that we're in 2020 and everything going on really seems to be you have to be able to make real-time decisions like, a, like to bring up like a patriots example like bill belichick you know he's making in in-game adjustments to make sure that he's increasing his probability of winning throughout the game it's not the hey we're going in with this game plan and if we throw six interceptions that's the only you know the only route that we plan this week so we're going to throw it every play like, yeah you're making those adjustments you want to make adjustments right. it's like kind of like turning the queen mary boat right that would take quite a quite some time to yep. turn the boat around we want to be a speedboat we want to be able to change direction on the fly in yep. that moment to to enhance or to maximize potential gains or 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 limit any potential losses so we want to be a speedboat we don't want to be the queen mary gotcha so Going into tip number three, talking about like making real-time adjustments, you talk about uh, amping up your savings. And I know that there's kind of a, there's a lot of people that are having arguments like, oh, I'm better off just putting my money in the mattress rather than putting it in a bank right now because, you know, savings interest is so, so low in a lot of, a lot of accounts and a lot of credit unions and stuff like that. Why, why would we put amping your savings up on something that we should review for 2020 going into 2021? And savings could be the bank, CDs. It, but, you know, as you mentioned, interest rates are so low that you're not really getting anything out of it. Right. Some people are concerned of, hey, I get this extra money. Uh, the market's down. I think it's crazy that I'm going to put this into my, my brokerage account and just watch it dissipate over time. Well, I look at it as this is an opportunity, it's a buying opportunity. If the markets are down, you're buying things at a, at a lower price, which is dollar cost average. And so you, you'll ride the crest up once there's a recovery. Listen, there's going to be a stimulus package that's going to happen soon. There's going to be a vaccine, a vaccination for COVID. So things are, are suppressed right now, but right. things will turn around. So if we're used to saving, conti continue to save. And don't just put it in the mattress because you're not you're not earning anything there right. or in the bank. Is there uh, is there a certain amount of liquidity that I should have, or is I'm sorry, does putting it in some of these other accounts that are a little bit more aggressive uh, reduce my liquidity if I did need it for some reason? It depends. So okay. when you put you buy stocks, mutual funds, that's a long term thing. So if we need liquidity, we want to make sure that we have enough liquidity in the bank to meet our liquidity, okay. okay? So every person has a different zero, I say, that they need in the bank, whether it be 10,000 or 100,000. Everyone has a different number that they feel comfortable in having as liquid cash. It could be six months to a year's worth of um, expenses yep. set aside so that if there is a market downturn, we don't have to sell anything to create the income that you need. Gotcha. Is there, if I'm still working, should I 
consider squirreling away more money or should I consider, I guess it, I can always answer my own question here, but it depends on your situation. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say, well, anytime you can save more money, save more money, right? Gotcha. Um, I remember my, my grandfather saying years ago when, he, when I was younger, he says, money is not meant to be spent, but money is meant to be saved. Okay. And, and he's kind of right. We're, we're, so if we can save more, save it. Um, so that means looking at the budget. So all of a sudden, if our spending needs have decreased, that means we can spend more. So let's make sure that we put it in the right bucket to save in the in the appropriate place. Somebody gave me a tip one time. It wasn't my grandfather, but it, it was like the save aggressively where you can. So that way, when you have something that you love to do, you can spend freely on it. And it kind of seems like the same Absolutely, mindset. yeah, same, yeah. same mindset. So, yeah, if it's important to you, you can, you can spend a few bucks more on that. But I'm thinking with the whole world kind of changing right now where I'm not spending as much in gas money, so I'm saving 40 bucks a week there. So instead of just spending it willy-nilly on whatever, it's pocketed away. So that way, if some bigger expense comes, I can splurge a little bit on that. And you'd be surprised on the budget, like you say. Like, I, I didn't drive because we were working from home. Mm-hmm. My kids weren't playing hockey. Sports were shut down. I, I, I literally, I think I filled my <laughs> gas tank up once and in you a don't month. have a small vehicle no <laughs> and and i was amazed at how little i was spending on gas <laughs> but i was spending it way more on groceries mm. or things for around the house on that guy that if i don't have a hockey rink to go to or a sporting event i sit in the backyard instead of relaxing i just see a thousand things that need to be done right so i'm at ace i'm living there buying different things yep. so the spending In my experience, spending didn't go down. Spending was the same, but it just went into different locations. Yeah, your budget went from this line item to this line item. Exactly. (laughs) But we want to make sure for the retirement spending that we understand what is our income needs Mm -hmm. once we stop working. Uh, We always always talk about the three-legged stool that people have for income, pension, Social Security, and then your savings and your investment made up that third leg. So whatever we're short, we have to come up with a plan for that income gap to make sure that we plan for it. So having the idea of what we spend on a monthly basis, where that income's coming from, is crucial. It's almost like step one in retirement planning. Right. This actually brings us to tip number five, which you have is be proactive, which is, again, understanding what those line items are going to be, what that budget is, and then being able to be proactive about making those adjustments either before you're in retirement. Exactly. Or when we sit down shortfall. with someone, we always ask them, you know, how do you envision retirement? What, what does your retirement picture look like? Some say it's going to be down in Florida for six months and a day. Right. Some say I'm going to be up here in the north, um, go to Florida for a couple weeks at a time. I'm going to rent a place I don't want to buy. Some might just be like, hey, I'm going to be around here. I'm going to go to all the grandkids' sporting events. I want to be around the kids. Um, so we want to know what you envision retirement looks like and then plan around that. What is that going to cost us? Um, what do we need? Are we going to travel a lot to see the grandkids? Are they spread out over the, over the, the country? So what is the added expenses that we might have in, in retirement? And proactive also means we look at things and say, I want to travel. Sometimes when we build a plan, we build up, hey, let's spend a little bit more in the early years when we're healthier. We can do more. Uh, things aren't as much of a, a hassle as right. they once were. So we kind of, let's say you need $50,000 a year to live your life. Well, let's make it 60, 65 for the first 10, 15 years. And then we, we reduce that spending in the later half. Okay. Or we keep that spending throughout. If we can look and see that you're still going to have nothing but success, then we keep that spending. But let's, let's 
tailor tailor it to you and your situation. My actual situation. If I was a charitable person, how would that come into play with all these things? Like, uh, typically, I would again. I'm working, so it's a little bit different. I would say, hey, here's Pine Street in five hundred bucks a year because I love doing stuff, you know, to help the homeless. Sure. Uh, if I'm retired, that's I, mean, I don't have an extra five hundred bucks to spend, right? Or do I? Well, or, it depends on everyone's situation. So. Okay. If you're a charitable person, and let's say you need to take the required minimum distribution from your IRA, okay, because you're 72 and the IRS requires it, that hey, you got to take money out of your IRA, you got to pay the taxes, and then you can do what you want with the rest of it. You can either reinvest it, you can spend it. Everyone's situation is different, but some people do not rely on their required minimum distribution to live their life. Okay, okay? so they are forced to take it and pay the taxes and they just hate that. I get the call all the time. John, what am I supposed to do with this? I got to take it. You know, we put it back into the plan and we re reinvest it. But if you're fortunate enough, if you actually take a requirement of distribution and it's properly structured that it goes to a, a charity, right. you don't have to pay the taxes on that. The charity gets that money. They don't pay taxes on it. And you feel good and you did the good deed. Right. If you're capable of doing that, it doesn't have to be large sums. It could be any amount. So at this point in time of the year, you should be sitting down with your advisor and looking saying, are we going to liquidate anything? What's my tax situation look like this year versus maybe next year? Can we take advantage of maybe liquidating something this year, pay lower taxes versus what they maybe might be next year based on which, which uh, candidate wins the White House? That's a good point too, yeah. That going into actually tip number six, which is find an advocate, but also like dealing with an advisor is making sure that you find somebody that's going to do what you want to be done for you for your retirement, right? It's, it's not, again, we were just talking about charity. Like if I have a charity that's important to me, I would want to make sure I'm talking to somebody that's going to understand that and work my plan to be in a way that it's going to be conducive to what I really want envisioned for my retirement, right? And it could be something simple at the very beginning that, hey, I've been giving this money to this charity for so many years, and mm -hmm. I still want that to be part of my budget. So I want to make sure that we budget that as part of my expense moving forward. Okay. So your advisor is already well aware of what your situation is and what you're trying to accomplish. Let's say at the beginning of retirement, you weren't as charitable, but you've been fortunate enough, now you want to be. The plan can change to reflect that. Right. We can make those necessary adjustments. You want to work with an advisor that you feel like you can count on, that you understand what they're going to do to earn their fees for management. Have an idea of what it's going to cost you. Make sure you know what it's going to cost to have my financial advisor. Right. What can I expect from you on a yearly basis? And what, what are the parameters of this relationship? Listen, it's a relationship. Right. It's a two-way street. I want to know what's happening in my clients' lives, what, what's changed, so that we can make the changes. Um, it has to be a two-way street. I think because of everything going on with 2020, there's got to be, I think, an, an emotional counterpart to a lot of what's going on too, right? And mm -hmm. I feel like uh, dealing with a financial advisor helps with that. When you have a financial advisor and you have a plan, and we're in a year like 2020 where there are so many lows and then so many highs. Right. It's very volatile. And what happens is individuals who don't have a financial advisor or a person to um, ask questions or be a sounding board to, they tend to overreact. They become emotional with mm -hmm. their money. 
and they make the wrong decisions. There's a study called the Dalbar study that says the average investor gets only half of what the market actually gives because <laughs> they're emotional. They buy high and sell low. They, 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 they make the wrong decisions. So by having an advisor and also having a financial plan that's tailored to you, the highs and lows are already built into it. Right. And then the individual who's your advisor, he or she can say, hey, listen, we plan for this. This is what's happening. This is why your portfolio is behaving the way it is right. in this environment. But we've accounted for it, and let me show you why. So it basically talks you off the ledge a little bit. You were telling me about the person that um, – a few weeks leading up to the election, they got so scared about what the market was going to do. They just wanted to pull everything out and basically, like what I was saying, like put it in a mattress for a few weeks. Sure. But there's there's pros and cons to that. And like you were saying, like you might not capture what some of the market's doing, and then you have to re-enter the market at a at a time that you don't know. Right? So it's a perfect time, right? So we have we're coming into the final part of the year. Um, there's a lot of volatility. There's mm -hmm. an election. A lot of uncertainty. And this is a great time for you to take a look and say. What is my risk tolerance, right? A lot of people think they're an aggressive investor until they see what an aggressive portfolio projects to lose in, in any given year, right? Right. So they're like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to lose 30% or I, I can't afford to lose 30%. Right, right. But that's like the range of an aggressive investor. Take stock of what you have. Understand what your true risk tolerance is. Okay. If you are really nervous about the volatility of the market, and, you, and we hear it all the time, I can't afford to lose money. Well, you don't need all your money today. Right. Your retirement years are going to be almost as long as your living years and working years. So your working years, you're working, you're saving. Let's say you work for the same company for 30 years. You could potentially be retired for 30 years right. with the, how long people are living today. So if you're overly nervous, maybe you're not in the right risk tolerance. Okay. Maybe you need to readjust that. Maybe you need to be a little bit more conservative. Jumping into cash doesn't really overly protect you, protects you for the short period of time. <laughs> but that individual we talked about, they went into cash, and the market has done nothing but great since then. Right. And I almost knew that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but that individual's like in a little bit of a different situation. But you want to take stock of what you have, what the risk tolerance is, and readjust it to make sure that it's the right temperament for you. How do I figure out what my risk tolerance is? There's a process that you sit down with your, your financial advisor. Uh, what your risk tolerance that you might say, I'm conservative. Right. Okay. And that means we're not going to be overly aggressive in, in any way. But your situation might require you to be a little bit more than conservative because maybe you didn't save enough. Maybe you need a little bit more of a, a, a bigger return than what a conservative portfolio can give over okay. a long extended period of time. Or if you're on the fortunate side, it might be you don't have to be a moderate investor. You saved enough. You've won the game. Right. Why don't we become more conservative and not have such volatility? Okay. 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 So you, sitting down with your advisor and going through the process of a financial plan for you is going to pinpoint what's the right, true right risk tolerance for you. That's a good point. There's the there's my personal, like, what scares me about ups and downs or, mm -hmm. like, risky markets in, in conservative markets. And then there's what does my portfolio actually have to do in order to have a higher proba probability of success in retirement? Yeah. I would say there's, yeah. there's risk tolerance and there's risk capacity, right? Like, Ooh, what is okay. my capacity to take on that risk? 
Well, not everything goes up every single year. And we right. can lull our, ourselves into this believing that, oh, the markets always go up. And then all of a sudden, we see how quick the markets, like in 2008, I think the markets dropped, we'll say 45% in like a one-year period of time or 13 months. Whereas this situation, the market dropped rapidly in a short period of time. Right. So in that quick drop, makes your stomach drop. It's like the roller coaster, right? Yeah. <laughs> now you got to have the husband to kind of ride it out. And But if you don't understand your financial plan or you don't understand it, you might re- overreact right. and say, I'm getting out. And then you took all the loss, you went to cash, and then there's been a rally with the stimulus package and so forth from, we'll say, April through August. Well, if you didn't get in at the right time and you just kind of, slowly got in then all of a sudden august starts to drop again in right. september well you missed the rally and now you're taking part in the second like second slump, wave slump, down yeah. <laughs> so be disciplined have the uh, the appropriate approach and rely on your advisor or an advocate that you can turn to to seek help there's uh i was thinking of doing an episode on this later is the Charlie Munger's book, uh, Warren Buffett's partner, is mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Poor Charlie's Almanac. And he talks about all these different biases people have. And one of them, I think we were kind of skimming over it, but we didn't actually say it. It's called a like, confirmation bias. So whatever you kind of believe in, you're going to look for other outlets or other news things that are going to confirm that thought process. So if you think the sky is falling, you're going to trust those news sites or those those websites or whoever those other people are that are going to say the sky is falling. And you're going to be like, see, see, see. But like you said, if you work with somebody that is emotionally independent of that and can say, listen, I actually have, you know, this data that's telling me X, Y, or Z, or based on what your portfolio needs to do, it has to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. I think you're, you're not paying the financial advisor to tell you what you want to hear. Yes. Okay? Thank you. Perfect. The financial advisor is there to tell you what you need to hear. Right. Okay. And listen, we're a team the client and the advisor. We want to make sure that we achieve the goals together, but that doesn't always mean our views are going to be the same as well. So you have to make sure that you understand your advisor is not going to be a a yes person. If you want to go to cash because you're you're too panicked, I have to, as a fiduciary, explain to you that why this is maybe not the right decision. And we have to come to some type of an agreement together but it's you have to be educated right. to understand so that you don't become mm-hmm. so emotional. Right. Okay, so that's that's what a good advisor is is having that good team. Like any good sports team has a great coach, has a great uh, team around them. Right, right. No one does it on their own. Right. You need a great team around you. Good. That's a good way to kind of sum this up. You need a great team around you. So don't be afraid to ask the the hard questions. The the uncomfortable questions, because in the long run, it's actually going to help you because you're going yeah. to learn more and you're going to be able to take that information and make better informed decisions with your retirement planning process. Absolutely. I agree. Awesome. John, thank you very much for taking the time. To Always do my this. pleasure. Always. I remember last episode you said it was your favorite thing. I'm holding you to that. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that? You did. I got Absolutely. on, I got on film. <laughs> uh, If you have any questions, feel free to head over to afterthepaycheck.com if you're not already there and fill out the form. Or if you want to schedule a quick you know, chat with one of the guys. There's also a calendar at the bottom of the website that you can book time to chat with either Sam, John, or Ryan. Until next time, take care.
Retirement Wealth Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. Rubino and Lang Wealth Partners, LLC, and Retirement Wealth Advisors are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Insurance and annuities offered through licensed professionals of RNL Insurance Agency LLC, Mass Insurance License 1783398.